initial thoughts on Navalny. I really haven't uh, had much time to delve into the details yes. of the death. I've seen some of the theories going around, and obviously Washington is – I mean, Biden has declared that Putin and his thugs are responsible. Yeah, and uh, they're using this now as grounds to plead for more money for their proxy war, which is being stalled by House Republicans. Even though Navalny actually himself was sort of a lukewarm, uh, um, he was he he wasn't a supporter of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but he, he wasn't like a dogged critic because he is a Russian nationalist. And so, for example, when Russia took Crimea back in 2014, he supported that. And um, there are people in Ukraine who are very bitter towards him. Now, recently, of course, he's he's changed his tune, but. Um, Washington is so desperate to prolong the proxy war and to secure $61 billion in funding, which, by the way, does not address Ukraine's current needs. Half the money is for funding the war long into the future because Biden and his neocon allies, allies realize that if Trump takes office, uh, this whole project could be in jeopardy. Although you never know with Trump, actually. Maybe he'd seek even more money based on, based on his record. But so they're trying to lock in this proxy war just in case, uh, just to... Uh, plan for all, all contingencies. And so now they're using Ukraine, uh, Navalny's death uh, to basically call, you know, call for this. And we'll play some clips of this. But listen, since we're going to criticize Navalny, uh, I expect, let me start with some actually some words of praise. He was very brave. He came back to Russia knowing he would get arrested, knowing he would be put in very harsh conditions. And that says to me that no matter what he was up to, he did have the courage of his convictions. He could have stayed away in exile. So many people do. He came back. And I don't know how he died. I don't believe the theories that the Russian government was involved in his death. What motive would they have to kill him? Uh, contrary to how he's portrayed in the West, he wasn't this like massively popular opposition figure. He had a following because uh, he took on certain aspects of Russian corruption uh, selectively. But uh, he wasn't this massive opposition leader. And uh, there are other opposition people inside Russia, including an anti-war candidate who's just been barred from running and a Marxist sociologist who's also very anti-war, who's just been given a four-year prison sentence, who, um, and they don't get the attention that Navalny does, not because he's that much more popular, although he is more popular, but not, I don't, I don't think that much more massively popular, but because they don't collaborate with the West. And they don't try to sell out their country, as I think Navalny did. Because Navalny, uh, for all the courage he had and uh, whatever he did positively against corruption in Russia, he collaborated with Western government intelligence operations. He collaborated with Bellingcat, which is we've exhaustively documented, is a NATO intelligence front. There's even video of him uh, meeting with a British official asking for money to basically launch a color revolution. That was like in the, the Kremlin put out that video secretly recorded so he he came up by being trained at this yale school which is just if you look at the people involved in it it's an obvious regime change training ground similar to the one they have at you know in different elite schools in this country including at stanford so whatever he did that was positive maurice greenberg it's named for him who was almost cia director founder of aig so yeah yeah um and then you have the, I mean, we can get into it. Then you have the really weird circumstances surrounding his alleged poisoning, um, where 
again, similar with the Skripal, is a really weird story where somehow he's poisoned with Novichok, one of the most deadly agents in the world, but he doesn't die in this weird plot where they, the Russians allegedly plant it in his underwear. And again, but he does so in collaboration with Bellingcat because after he gets taken to Germany and Russia lets him go to get treatment rather than keeping in the in the country where they were supposedly trying to kill him, then he collaborates with Bellingcat. And then the CIA is immediately involved. And let me just show that. that. You got, this was the weirdest thing. Um, in December 2020, the New York Times reported this. Shortly after Navalny's arrival in Berlin, where again, he's taken because he's just allegedly been poisoned, and Russia lets him leave, even though Russia allegedly just tried to kill him. Representatives from the CIA and Britain's Secret Intelligence Service provided members of the German government with details about the poisoning including the identities of the Russian FSB service officers involved that directly implicated the Russian government. So this was an obvious clue that this whole thing with the Volney's poisoning was a Western op, or else why, why else would the CIA and the UK be involved in providing all the key incriminating details to Germany? So um, whatever else is said about him, it's pretty clear he was a Western collaborator what his actual status was, like what, you know, was he, in a, you know, I don't know, but he certainly collaborated with the West and ultimately um, he was treated harshly because of that. Um, and, uh, and now he's gone. Well, going back to that poisoning incident, which he, from which he survived, um, you know, he collapsed on a flight. He was treated by Russian doctors in a Siberian city they said that he suffered from uh, leukemia or some blood condition, and that's why he collapsed. He no, he, he suffered from um, like hypoglycemia, some form of you know some blood condition where you can faint. The Russian doctors that examined him were basically superseded by the German doctors after he was evacuated, and then you know the whole operation apparently was overseen by MI6 and CIA once he got to Germany then he returns this then he returns to Russia right yeah well first he goes to the uh the the black forest of Germany and he makes a film with Bellingcat and just if you're working with Bellingcat it's just you're making it so obvious what you're wait, up wait, wait, to. Just let's focus on he went so he winds up back in Russia after this going eventually yeah after he makes a film with Bellingcat and he right. Uh, and he recovers, and there's a whole documentary made about him. Then he goes right. back to Russia, knowing he'll get arrested. And that's right. where, again, you you have to admire his courage. And Bellingcat, well, wait a minute. And Bellingcat oversees this notorious phone call he made, or like famous phone call he makes, yes. where he interviews supposedly the guy who poisoned him, which yes. is yeah. itself shady. But we'll yeah. leave that to the side for a second. Yeah. This is like a, a CIA playbook is going back, and this is what this this is what they did with Juan Guaido after he went to Colombia, for example, yeah. after his coup failed and he was taken back into Venezuela by a narco cartel, a Colombian cartel, and the whole the whole thing that and and the Venezuelan government didn't fall for this, but what the U.S. was trying to do is push them to arrest the most visible opposition leader, which will then trigger massive sanctions or even an invasion. It's exactly what they wanted. So they let Guaido ride around on his on the back of a motorcycle around the country as he his support 
eventually faded. And now he's in Miami uh, living next door to like Netanyahu's son in some luxury condo. He's done. But the Russian government did not allow that to take place with Navalny, who continued. I mean, and you can call it brave. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, brave, reckless, whatever. The question is, to what extent he was being pushed or nudged by the CIA or MI6 to be in Russia, to continue what were obvious provocations while his anti-corruption foundation, which is totally controlled by the West and totally based in the West now, was organizing. And I'm going to go into this in a second. And, you know, if I have time next week, I'll do a more thorough article on it. Um, they were straight up organizing regime change operations, uh, doing things in Russia that the United States would never allow Russia to get away with inside the U.S. Um, so, oh, of course, brave, not. yes. Uh, and and you know, do I condone him dying in a prison? No. Um, we should point out some of the double standards here before going deeper into some of these Western connections. Uh, when have we heard anyone who's howling for Navalny say a word? about Marwan Barghouti, hmm. the Palestinian political leader who spent over 20 years in prison because he was trying to liberate his people. Uh, he's a, a legitimate freedom fighter. And one of the reasons that the deal on the hostages and a ceasefire can't go through is Hamas is demanding, even though Barghouti comes from Fatah, demanding he be released so he can help lead a national unity government. The US will never allow an, a, a united Palestinian polity. What about Gonzalo Lira? Gonzalo Lira was brave for staying in Ukraine. Uh, he, with his, he had a wife. He had a family there, and he stayed. And he was there, – there, there's, there's no dispute. He was yeah. killed in a Ukrainian gulag, which is which are – the Ukrainian prisons are filled with political prisoners that whose names no one knows. Uh, I interviewed one of them, Ruslan Kotsaba, who is a Ukrainian pacifist. He wasn't even trying to topple the Ukrainian government. He actually comes from Western Ukraine. He uh, was actually the former, a former uh, director of the uh, Stepan Bandera Museum, I think, in, L in L Lviv. Uh, and then he realized that Maidan was a disaster and it was going to destroy his country, that the war in the East was uh, carrying out atrocities on people in Donbass. And he tur turned to a pacifist and he was jailed and held in solitary confinement for months and months and months. No one said a word about him. We don't hear about the Ukrainian political prisoners. So double standards are extreme here. The only reason they're howling about Navalny is because he was such a useful asset. And yeah, it's true that he would only poll at like 2% as a politician, but he was like the, he was the most important figure in getting people in the street against Putin. Uh, he showed that in 2009, 2010 as the elements in the CIA and MI6 tried to disrupt and prevent a reset with Russia. And he started the protests in middle class and upper middle class areas, cosmopolitan areas of Moscow and St. Petersburg. And so that's like their value. And, and you know, no one else could do that. Um, hmm. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that he espoused openly bigoted views uh, comparing yeah. Mus Muslim immigrants one to to cockroaches and rotten teeth. Yeah, but I've never saw him renounce those views. Um, he was given opportunities to, he was interviewed by The Guardian and Der Spiegel in recent years. And he said, I have the same views now. 
maybe I'm missing something where he did apologize, but I never saw it. And that's another thing that's overlooked in this effort yeah. to turn him into someone who um, I don't think he was. But, you know, I honestly I hadn't thought really about what you were say, laying out there in terms of why him coming back would could be a part of like a an op to stir up more unrest. And fair enough. Um, so whether that's courage on his part or just complete. I mean, I also have to leave open the possibility that's complete servitude to his handlers. You yeah. know, that, that's a that, that's a fair point to raise. Yeah, I mean, um, there are many contradictions about Navalny. When yeah. you point out his nationalist past, where there's a, this notorious video where he compares Muslims to cockroaches, he was a, calling for a gun rights um, that you have to have guns to defend against this migrant scourge. He appeared at. Uh, you could call it nationalist rallies. There were neo-Nazis who were part of these rallies. They waved the Russian imperial black and yellow flag there. And that, that was part of, I think, his opportunism, that he was mm. trying to corner the nationalist, uh, the nationalist movement that opposed Putin. He also supported uh, the annexation of Crimea because that was a nationalist thing. But you know the people who run his foundation—they're just straight up. They're just straight up traitors from the Russian point of view. Uh, they don't. They they support Ukraine destroying Russia. They support sanctioning Russia, destroying Russia's economy. Their entire yeah. staff is outside of Russia. Uh, Navalny was more of an authentically Russian figure, and that's why you have these contradictions between the foundation and his backers and himself. Mm. Um, but of course, yeah. The we as we've seen with Azov, as we've seen with Al Qaeda in Syria. The West doesn't care. They'll make anyone into Martin Luther King if they're a useful asset. And people, will, dupes will play along. I mean, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but this is one of the most pathetic things I've seen from Cornell West uh, and why I don't take his presidential campaign that seriously. Uh, my prayers are with the precious family of the courageous Russian political prisoner, Navalny, just as I play, pray for my dear brothers, Mumia Abu Jamal, Imam Jamil Abdullah Alamin, which is uh, the... Muslim name of H. Rap Brown, who is uh, who's convicted under very dubious circumstances of a crime after the FBI hounded him for his life. Leonard Peltier, who was hounded by the FBI as a member of the American Indian Movement. And then Nargis Mohammadi, who is like, uh, you know, this is an Iranian figure who's a lot more like Navalny because the West backs her. Cornell West's wife is Iranian and is a supporter of the kind of color revolution in Iran from from what I understand. So I don't even know who wrote this post, but it's not a good look to compare people who fought uh, for black liberation in the U.S. with someone who espoused openly racist views in Russia and marched with neo-Nazis. I don't know what he was thinking. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, tons of liberals. What, what's it? John Cusack said, if we just had one Navalny in the U.S., everything would be different. You know, it's funny. John, John told me to go speak to Navalny's people to get a sense of who he was. And I said, last time I spoke to one of Navalny's people, he called me uh, a Russian asset. That was Navalny's chief of staff said I was on Putin's payroll. And then he blocked oh, yeah, me. Yeah, he always says that about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's my experience with Navalny circle. Um, this was and then, of course, and then, of course, Julian Assange. Guy, was it Leonid Vol Leonid Volkov? Uh, this guy. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. So he's from the yeah. Like Navalny, he was a Maurice R. Greenberg World Fellows Program trainee 
And this is Maurice Greenberg, the founder of AIG, was very close to the CIA. They have this program at Yale where they train CIA assets, basically. Um, Carlos Vecchio, the fake ambassador for Juan Guaido's bogus government of Venezuela in Washington, he was trained by this same network. So, you know, badge of honor. Um, but yeah, those are his people. They're not exactly, I mean, they're basically our people. It's basically like talking to uh, Langley with a Russian accent. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, Julian Assange. I mean, this week is the final extradition hearing coming up and uh, you compare the outpouring of outrage from U.S. neocons to either their complete silence or they're cheering for the persecution of Julian Assange, who, you know, comparatively over the last decade was treated far worse by the West than Navalny was treated by Russia. Um, and uh, that double standard. Yeah. Um, but look, let's, let's listen to Anthony Blinken reacting to Navalny's death. Fear of one man only underscores the weakness and rot at the heart of the system that Putin has built. Russia is responsible for this. We'll be talking to many other countries concerned about Alexei Navalny, uh, especially if these reports bear out to be true. So fear of one man exposes the rot in the system. So if Navalny's treatment exposes the rot in the Russian system, what is the treatment of Assange disclosed about the U.S. system? Yeah, Assange over the time has been treated far worse. Um, I mean, Blinken, yeah. Blinken exposes the rot of the U.S. system because he's presiding over genocide. I, I mean, it's just amazing that he has the gall to even try to project moral force about a supposed political prisoner at this point. Like, it's over. Yeah, there might have been a time when you know the word of a U.S. Secretary of State could get someone out of a prison in Iran or somewhere in Russia. No one takes the rules-based order seriously at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, 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 that's, but that is the message that the U S is trying to send uh, as along with the, the, the I mean, it, it comes at a weird time. We should point out the timing the Russian presidential elections coming up. The Putin's standing for re-election in March. Okay, this is not something that Putin would want to have had happen. It's not. I'm not saying that, you know, everything is under his control. It's a fact that there are elements in the FSB and other security factions in Russia that Putin that might even be, uh, you know, hostile to Putin, but. This is not something he wanted. I doubt he wanted this to ha happen. Um, it also comes after his interview with Tucker in which he was clearly sending the message that he wanted negotiations, a negotiated settlement on Ukraine. He wanted this to come to an end. And it comes as Russia defeats Ukrainian forces in Avdivka, the last toehold that the Ukrainian army had anywhere close to Donetsk. Uh, massive crushing defeat. So it distracts from that. So it just, it's it not really working in Russia's favor here. And the death was, uh, it, it was announced 
on the day, I believe, of the opening of the Munich Security Conference, which is the preeminent neocon conference held every year. Um, that and you know, Navalny's wife was speaking there. I mean, the timing is crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they fought around to kind of address it. Oh yeah, they did, and and they. I mean, basically, the 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 theme of the meeting now is like Navalny was killed by Putin, therefore we have to arm Ukraine. That's the drumbeat. Mm -hmm.